All right. A few things I want to get off my chest before we start this uh, podcast. By the way, we have Gary Pinto, who is the one of the founding members of the Direct Democracy Coalition. Gary, welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Nick. Good to be here. All right. So with every movement that anybody tries to start, um, there's always going to be detractors. You're going to always have your naysayers. You're going to always have people that are going to have a difference of opinion. And you know what? That's okay because sometimes we can learn from that because sometimes, you know, we're kind of blinded by our own movements that we, uh, we tend not to listen to maybe some of the hazards. But there's one thing that I really don't tolerate, and that's the fact of people calling me out without having any substantial proof to back it up whatsoever. Now, what am I talking about? Okay, well, it's quite simple. I just recently changed the Facebook icon on my personal profile to the RIC. Now, the R, R, excuse me, the RIC is uh, French basically for referendums, uh, initiatives and referendums for citizens. And it basically the RIC stands for that, but it's in French, okay? Now, the logo is yellow, and there's a tiny yellow vest that is incorporated with the RIC uh, emblem or logo. Now, I've been getting some complaints, some backlash about the logo representing or standing for something racist and hateful. Now, again, these guys only go by one news clip, and then all of a sudden their mind is made up and their opinion is, is found. But they don't do the due diligence to research it enough and to see that there are many movements going on within the Yellow Vest movement. And not only in France, but in Canada, uh, I mean in, in the States, everywhere in the world, everybody is, is taken to the streets, donning on their Yellow Vest, and they're protesting. Now, I will admit, some of these protest groups have their own agendas, so to speak. And I'll speak of the one here in Canada. Now, there's this huge problem. There's this, this huge propaganda going on with the immigrations or immigrants, excuse me, crossing in through the United States and into our country through the province of Quebec. And predominantly, these people are Middle Eastern. Some are from Central America, but predominantly from the Middle East, where the countries have been obliviated uh, by some of our armaments that we've actually sold to Saudi Arabia. But that's a different story I'm not going to get into. Now, these, these protesters that are donning on the yellow vest are not doing it for the same reasons, perhaps, that they're doing it in France. But they have their own agenda, and they're using the yellow vest to to try to deliver that uh, that agenda. Now, again, migration is a very hot-button issue. And I'm not going to say that I'm against or I'm for. But what I will say is, is that there has to be some sort of sensible migration laws because we can't let every single person into this country. Because basically, what we built and what our grandfathers have built and what our great-grandfathers had built over the years and the decades is going to subtly change if we let an influx of immigrants flood into our, 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 our nations. 
And again, I'm not against immigrants coming into this country, but we have to have some sort of sensible laws. So that's my stance, and that's my opinion on the whole immigration thing. Now, with that said, the yellow vest does not represent that. Because we could talk about all these problems. We could talk about immigration. We could talk about building walls. We could talk about a whole bunch of things, taxes, you name it. Even the system of capitalism. The problem is, is that we don't have a political system in place that can change that. Because we know that our current political system has been compromised by, by some very selfish people with their own agendas. Ones that do not involve the citizens like you and I. So again, before you criticize, please, please do your due diligence and find out what that emblem really stands for. Because you'll see a lot of yellow uh, vest emblems or logos on Facebook, uh, personal profiles, but they all might mean something different. And in our case, in my case, the reason why I have that emblem is because I'm su supporting Roman Light, who is the founder of RIC in France. Because essentially he's doing the same thing that, that Gary and I are doing here in, in North America with the Direct Democracy Coalition. And we actually reached out to Roman. So anyways, we're all on the same page on this. But please, again, research, ask questions, but please do not cast judgment until you... Uh, you find out for sure what that emblem might stand for with that particular person. So with that said, I'll end my rant for that, Gary. And, uh, and Gary's going to talk about a, a few news articles that we came across um, and is an example of mainstream politicians and parties subverting um, the system of direct democracy. So Gary, go ahead. Take it away. Yeah. Hey, Nick. We are. I. I, I agree with you 100%. There's nothing worse than than people who don't educate themselves on a topic before they go spitting out their ideas about how it's going to go or what's going to happen. So yeah, it drives me crazy too. But back to this article. Um, Michigan. We're looking at Michigan. Michigan. Recently, the uh, Republicans, who are the lame ducks over in Michigan tried to strip some powers from the incoming Democrats. Uh, that's all well and fine. They can fight amongst each other all they want. We, I, I, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is the direct democracy and the INR ramifications of, of what they were doing. And it stems back from, oh, last year. I don't remember exactly when it was, but Michigan is an INR state. They, they support uh, initiative, uh, referendum, and recall in their state constitution specifically reserved for the people. Everything that is INR in the, uh, in the state of Michigan is based on the amount of votes that were in the gubernatorial race. So you've got to remember, all the numbers of what you need for INR are based on how many people turned out and voted in the governor's race. That number was 4,240,000 people. All right, why is that number so important? Because INR is basically petition-based at the citizens-initiated level. It means you get out and you pound the streets or you get on Facebook and you start a, a petition for something that you want the government to address or the government to change or a law that you think is a good idea that you may want your government to take a look at and institute. So you go out and you pound the street and you get your signatures 
and uh, you propose your law. And then there's two ways it gets on the ballot. It's either direct or indirect. Uh, direct means if it checks all the blocks and everything is really good to go, it's going to go straight on the ballot. If it's an indirect referral, it's the legislature that came up with the idea. It's the legislature that's proposing the new law to the people. So, and you just get to vote on it. You don't have any say in what's written in it or anything. So, let's start there. What they did, because the Republicans said that basically the people are never, ever, ever going to be able to vote anything in that we don't want. And to be specific, last year it was the marijuana laws, the gerrymandering laws, and ballot access. Those three were initiatives in, in Michigan. Republicans had no fear that they were going to defeat these. However, the turnout from Michigan voters was surprising, to say the least. And all three passed. So what Michigan did was Michigan said, we have to get these powers that we reserve for the people out of the people's hands. And we've got to get control over these so that the people don't have any power whatsoever to either propose, which is an initiative, or to change or remove a law, which is referendum, or, God forbid, they should catch one of us not obeying our oath of office and want to recall us, which means before our term is up, we get yanked out of office and fired. That's an issue of referendum or recall in a nutshell. So what they did is they proposed this HB 6595. I haven't read it because I know what it's all about. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to hamper the INR process. So they found the most vulnerable point on the INR process, which is the collecting of signatures on a petition, and they attacked it. And they said, we're going to make a law, we're going to indirectly propose a law, and we're going to pass it that says that any person, any citizen-led initiative, uh, has to gather the amount of votes, and remember that magic number that we were talking about, 4 million... 4,240,000 people. They need, if they want to pass any kind of state legislation, state-level legislation, they need 8% of that number, which means you go out and you knock on the doors and you get 8% of the number. Once you got 8%, you're great. Here's the great thing in Michigan. If you get 10%, that is now a qualifying factor for you to make an initiative that changes the state or amends the state constitution, not just statutes, but the actual state constitution. So this is why the Republicans got scared and uh, definitely wanted to strip some of these powers from the people so that they didn't use them in favor of the Democrats. So they make up this law that says you can gather no more than 15% of your signatures only 15% of a district can sign your, your petition. Once you get 15% from that district, you've got to pack up, get in your car, drive to another district. You get 15% of the votes there. You've got to pack up, drive your car, get to another district, and get 15% of the votes over there. Makes it really expensive on, say, the citizen-led initiative to go out and do all that driving, to go out and meet all those people, to go out and, and try to convince them you know, of, of the good that your initiative is going to do. Um, Makes you spend a lot more money, too. I mean, think of the expenses that come along with this. Here's the catch. And it was done so fast that not one lawyer or one legislature caught this. There's only two predominantly black districts in Michigan. This is where 
the black population condensed and lives. Two districts. So if you can only take 15% of a vote from one district, you get 15% of that district, you go to the second black district, you get 15% there, you go on your way, you know, you're abiding by the law. Think about this. If a black initiative were to come up, do you think that with 15% of their district and 15% of their second district added up with all the other districts that they would ever, ever have a chance of getting any legislation passed, it's impossible. They've made it impossible for any minority-led. And I'm not talking about race when I talk about minority. I'm talking about whoever the minority is, the minority factor in the initiative. You know, it could be a, it could be a religion, a small religious group, that lives in a larger group. Um, <clears throat> these, uh, these, these initiatives, these laws that they passed, basically say that once you get 15% from any district, that's it, you gotta move on. Okay, so 15% of the district is allowed to sign the petition and have a say, and basically when you sign the petition, you're doing nothing more than voting. You're voting yes for something. You're saying, I agree to this. There's nothing in the state constitution or in the constitution of the United States that says only 15% can vote and the rest of the people have to go home and sit down and they can't vote. You are denying people in that district their right to have a say on this initiative. And they don't even know it. This is why that I believe <clears throat> that this is going to get shot down real fast and real quick. Um, the unconstitutionality of it. You can't deny somebody the right to vote. That's, that's just it. The second article deals with the financial sides of uh, proposing an initiative. Yeah, it costs money. It costs, uh, it costs money for you to get out and do what we talked about here, getting out, getting in your car and going around and talking to people or going to the places you need to meet the people you need to meet. So you're spending your dollar in favor of your initiative and all that anybody that's against it or all that any corporation is against it. You know, say I wanted to propose an initiative to, um, just for example purposes, limit um, the use of Roundup pesticide because I live near some inland waterways and I don't want that pesticide reaching the waterway and I started initiative. The company that makes that, Monsanto, Bayer, all those companies, they're going to spend dollars against this initiative. And basically, they're going to buy you out of any chance you have of pushing that initiative forward. It's a proven fact in a study done by the University of Southern California, yeah, University of Southern California. Guy's name was um, Professor John Matsus Matsusuku, Matsusaku. God, I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. And uh, he's a part of the, um, the uh, INR group there at the University of Southern California that studies direct democracy and studies the effects of INR on the population. And he's published a paper, and it pretty much proves that for every dollar I spend in support of my initiative, the dollar that the person spends against my initiative has three times as much power as the dollar I spend. And basically boils down to public education, or a lack thereof, on the initiative, because it is so much easier to fearmonger and convince somebody that something's not good for them. You know, I mean, all you got to do is mention their kids or, 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 you know, 
anything like that and say, well, you know, this is going to do this, it's going to take money away from that, and you won't get this, and you won't get that. And it could be an outright lie, which is pretty much the status quo in politics today. We're just going to go out and, and tell you something just to change your mind because all that matters is we get your vote. So um, those dollars are, are – you get much more bang for your buck out of those dollars than you do out of the dollars you spend to, to support it. So that's another problem. So when we, like the Direct Democracy Coalition, want to uh, propose initiative referendum and recall, we have to ensure that it's written the right way. Uh, a lot of initiatives fail because they're just written wrong and they violate a law somewhere where the, the due diligence wasn't done or the research wasn't done and you didn't, you didn't, or they just didn't catch it. So you put all this work into an initiative and you put it forward and some lawyer reviews it up in the house and uh, one little tick affects one little law, one little statute, one little regulation and they kick it back to you. So that's, that's pretty much what's happening with INR here in Michigan and the same thing is happening today right now in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is trying to do the exact same thing. This is nothing new. It's nothing new at all. While the people of, uh, of at least uh, America here have been, have been asleep basically at the wheel by arguing which politician is, is the worst, which is the most you know, evil, um, wall this, the wall that, immigration this, immigration that, while they're arguing about that, and while they're keeping themselves preoccupied, legislatures are in the background, legislators, excuse me, are in the background, and they're slowly, slowly regulating INR right out of existence for we the people. Uh, a really good example is some states that allow INR will only allow indirect. They won't allow direct INR. So that means only the legislature can propose laws. You don't, you don't have a say. You can't even do it. You have so to. Essentially, so essentially, Gary, what you're saying is when you say indirect, basically, people, what Gary's trying to, uh, to explain here is you have to understand when it's, it's indirect, it's basically the citizen must ask the politician for, for permission in yes. order to enact an initiative yeah. or a referendum. You need a sponsor. You definitely need a sponsor. Um, this was going on in Hawaii right now also. Um, God, I don't remember his name, but there was a politician there. He's still active today. I forget his name. He proposed a, a citizen-led initiative to amend the Hawaii state constitution to allow INR. And, of course, that along with what they did, they did the same thing in New York. Um, that was Governor Pataki that did that in New York, and, God, it was the... 80s, maybe sometime in the 80s, and um, they both overwhelmingly passed with the people, all voted for it, and then died in some House committee somewhere, or some Appropriations Committee, or some Legal Oversight Committee, or and they just die there. They just never take them forward, never bring them up again. Here's another good one. New York has this. New York says, in order to pass a citizen... I think it was, I don't, I'm not sure now, don't quote me if it's citizen letter, just initiative in general. But in order to pass a, an initiative, it needs to be on the ballot for two consecutive elections. So one election may get it to go through, and then the next election, if it's no longer in favor of the party in power, it sits there. They don't do nothing about it. They don't even look at it. So but that's it in a nutshell, Nick, as far as, as, far as what's going on in uh, Michigan and, and Wisconsin, and like I said, it's nothing new 
it's just out in the public eye now. You're just seeing it. It's just spilling out to where the public can see it. They're no longer in the dark. There's being light shined on it. Now, these news articles that uh, – Gary, which newspapers were they, those, both, those two news articles? Oh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, if you don't have them in front of you. Uh, Not So right essentially – okay, these are our local newspapers, and uh, the news doesn't really filter out to the, the mainstream-type papers like the, the Guardian and the uh, Financial Post and so on and so on. And the reason why is, is that they don't want to draw too much attention to this fact. And that True. fact is that politicians and political parties like the Republicans and the Democrats are subverting the direct democracy. There's no way in hell they want you to have a say or a voice on the issues. All they want you to do is mark an X every four years on a piece of paper that allows them to wield your power. You guys have to understand this. You guys have power. Each individual citizen of the states or Canada, you guys are sovereign citizens. But unfortunately, we're not acting like sovereign citizens. If anything, we're acting as subjects. Okay? So, again, these are, these are news articles that we put out there so that you guys can read. And I will, I, I'm, I, again, you guys can go to Advocates for Direct Democracy and, and, for, and to the coalition, Direct Democracy Coalition page or group, sorry, and you can look at the articles and read them for yourself. That's why, you know, a lot of people talk about this propaganda with direct democracy and three sheeps, or sorry, three wolves and a sheep. It's all bullshit, guys. It's, it's all there to put the fear. Like Gary was saying, these propaganda, uh, you know, uh, mechanisms or these propaganda wars that corporations uh, put are only there to put fear into the citizens. And they use catchwords, catchphrases, and, and people respond to it, and and automatically they get uh, they get scared by it, and then they they cast this uh, bad judgment on direct democracy. But the reason why we're talking about these articles is because we're trying to tell you, look, they do not want us to have power. They don't. They don't want us to be sovereign, because essentially a country. What makes a country is the citizens, not the political parties. I'm sorry, but they're, they're just, and I don't like to talk about them too much because it gives them more attention than they already need. But they're just leeches, and they're leeching off the public. It's the public that makes the country what it is, and not the other way around. And you have to acknowledge that. You have to realize that, yes, I have a say. I have an equal say, and I have an equal vote. And if I don't like something, then I will express it. But you can't express it on a ballot that has a political party next to it. Because essentially what, what that is, is that you're giving up your power. And then they tell you how it's going to be, not the other way around. So do you, anything else you want to add to that, Gary? Yeah. Um, a lot of people get hung up on power to the people, power to the people, power to the people. That's the most false statement and claim in the world today. The correct frame, the correct one should be people are the power. You just don't realize it. You need to wake up and realize you are the power. They wouldn't be trying to take initiative and referendum away from you if they were not afraid that those are the tools that you have to totally destroy their little cash cow. Yeah, exactly. 100% on the money. And let's, uh, let's remember, too, going back to political parties, and uh, I, I'm sure it's the same in the States. 
look, these politicians, they walk away with, with pensions that only you and I can even dream of. <laughs> okay? And the reason why is, is because they themselves gave those pensions. There was no governing body that said, hey, you can't do that. Because again, you marked that X on a piece of paper beside a political party, and you automatically, by law, give up your right. You no longer have a say for four years. And quite frankly, you don't have a say at all 